0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Roner Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Roner Park area. All right. Good morning, everyone. If I could have a couple of you men distribute the study sheets this morning, that'd be great. In the meantime, let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 together. I'll begin reading at verse 1 and read through verse 10 if you'll follow along with me. (laughs) Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, Which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this time we have together today in your word. I pray that you would uh, quiet us and still us and that you would instruct us today from the truth of your word. Bless us now as we study and we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Look closely at verse 10 with me. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, this is actually a very profound statement made by Paul. Paul uh, was what he was, an apostle to the Gentiles by the grace of God. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. He didn't merit it. He was made an apostle by God, and it was by God's grace that he was such he was not made an apostle by men, he was not given the office of apostleship by his education or his learning, nor through any merits of his own, but by the free favor and sovereign will of God. So th- thus far in our study of grace, we have defined grace, and we've attempted to describe grace. We've determined the source of our grace, the agent of our grace, and the benefactors of grace. So now today and over the next few lessons, I'd like to look at the diverse fruits of the grace of God in our lives, the benefits that we receive from the grace of God. It is in the plan and nature of God that all things be productive. In Genesis chapter one, verse 11 and 12, we read, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So everything that God created, he created it to be productive. He created it to, to grow. He created it to multiply. And, and to uh, replenish the earth. Furthermore, it is in the plan and nature of God that all things be productive after itself. Or after its own kind. Apples produce apples. Grass produces grass. Man begets man. By the way, this is one of the reasons that evolution has no leg to stand on. There is no missing link. Between man and an ape, and they'll never find one because no such thing exists. God created apes to create to, to reproduce apes, and He created man to reproduce man. And God and God's grace also produces after its own kind. Now, uh, that that leads me into my study, and that is, what does the grace of God produce in our lives? God's grace was given to us to save us, yes, as part of our salvation, yes. But God didn't just give us grace unto salvation. He also gave us grace so that we might live. Do you ever think of that? How many of you have figured out that life on this earth for a Christian is not easy? How many of you have figured that out? And we need, we need grace for living. I mean, we need, we need grace to face all the, all the trials and all the tribulations that we face as God's children. We are, we are tempted constantly. We are challenged constantly to, to compromise on our principles, to, to corrupt our flesh and, and all these things in life. And if God just gave us enough grace to save us and then said, okay, have at it, we'd be in trouble. We'd be without hope today to, to, to have any means to live for God in this present world. But he has given us grace not only, not only to save us, not only, not only to redeem us, but he's given us grace so that we can live in this present day and live unto his glory. So what, what does God's grace give us in our everyday lives? Well, let's, let's look at that. Number one, <coughs> grace is the source of of our call from God number one on your study sheets grace is the source of our call from God in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15 we read but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb Paul writes and called me by his grace so we see that God's grace is the source of our call from God now, there's a lot of confusion today among people who claim to be sons of God concerning the call of God. There's a lot of confusion about that. The, you may say it's the will of God. Of all the questions that I'm asked by, by uh, Christians, probably the most frequent is, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, I think in order to answer that, we need to understand what do we mean When we say the call of God or or, or the will of God. What do we mean? Is it it some divine uh, uh, task that God has given us? Well, in some cases it may be. The will of God came to Moses. And God gave Moses a very specific task. The will of God or the call of God came to Noah. And Noah spent 120 years building an ark... And, and and in order to fulfill a purpose of God, but what about us what about What about the average Christian sitting in the in the church pew what 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 is it Is it that you never get a call from God? Is it that God really has no will for you? Just that you would come and sit in church and and that would be it Well, God definitely at times does use very specific calls, very specific wills to accomplish his purposes but by and large as as as, as the normal what, is, what do we mean when we talk about the call of God well in Romans 8.28 Paul writes and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose now this term call used by Paul could best be translated today as summoned now all of us here Who are of voting age have been summoned. Right? How many of you have ever received a summons to jury duty? Huh? Oh, we hate to see those, don't we? Yeah. Those aren't my favorite things to see. But we all understand what we mean when we say summoned. Uh, I get a summons every day. And I love this summons. Every day, either my wife or my daughter will say, Dad, come eat. I love that. I love that summon. That's that's the call of the day. I look forward to with much anticipation and joy. You can look at me and tell I don't miss many meals. So to understand the call of God, we we don't want to confuse that this morning with a special endowment, though certainly, as I said, we can receive those as well. But rather to the multitude of christianity the mass of christianity it is a summons so when, when we talk about god's grace as the source of your call today what does he call us to well let's look at a few things first number one a letter a on your sheets he calls us to fellowship with christ <clears throat> to fellowship with christ in first corinthians chapter one in verse nine we read god is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We of all, all of us as God's children have been summoned to fellowship with Christ. We've been summoned to partake of all that is his. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul writes that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. We've been summoned to partake of all that Christ is. We're joint heirs with Christ. We will will enjoy all that Christ has for us to enjoy and, and, and we will suffer as he suffered and we will rejoice as he rejoices we are called to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ It is our privilege, by the way. It is our privilege to suffer for him and to suffer because of him. You know, there's a whole wave of Christianity sweeping across this country and it's this prosperity gospel. It's this idea that because we are God's children, we're going to have the best of life. But let me tell you, Christ did not come to bring peace. He came to, he said, he came to bring a sword he warned his disciples men have hated me and they will hate you and as as a christian in this life we are not we're not all going to enjoy all of the comforts that this life can offer us some will some do some don't we we, we need to prepare ourselves and understand that we will face suffering and it's our privilege to suffer Matthew tells us where to count it joy to suffer in his name and for his cause in Matthew chapter 5 we read blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice he says and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you we've been We've been called to fellowship with Christ as in His suffering. We've also been summoned to be heirs of God with glory. Um, in Romans eight sixteen and seventeen, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs; heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Yeah, we're going to suffer on this earth, but but don't don't. Uh, lose heart because jesus said you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you he says i go to prepare a place for you that where i am there ye may be also oh we are going to be heirs with christ in glory we are going to abide with him forever in eternity and so we need to remember this. Our fellowship with Christ brings suffering, but it also brings great reward. We've been, we've been summoned to enjoy communion with him, both privately and, and in public worship. In Hebrews chapter 4, we read, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We, we rejoice in Christ and, and, and we fellowship with him, both privately and in public. We're to hold fast our profession, the writer of Hebrews said. We're not, to, we're not to waver because of, of trouble. We're not, to, we're not to waver because of disappointments. You know, I, I deeply care for everyone in this room. I, you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and I, I love you as, as my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I would never purposely or intentionally do anything to offend or hurt any of you. But let me warn you, if you abide around me long enough, sooner or later, I probably will offend you. More than likely, I will. And some of you offend me deeply. Brother Tabor over there, I'm offended by him constantly. No, I love Tabor. And, and I don't mean to do so and, and I don't want to do so, but in the course of life and under the pressures and stresses of life, we're all going to offend one another. We're all, to become, we're all going to become disappointed in each other, but we are to, we are to fellowship in Christ and we are, to, we are to, to, to publicly and privately hold fast that which we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. So first today, I say that the grace of God has called us to fellowship with Christ. How's your fellowship with the Lord today? By the way, if we, if we do too much fellowshipping with the world, we won't have much fellowship with Christ. Remember, the Bible says friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. Therefore, Jesus said, if you'll be a friend of the world, you'll be an enemy of Christ. Now, I don't think any of us intend to be enemies of Christ, but we can be found in that, in that situation if we fail to fellowship with the Lord. That's why it's so important you teach your children to love Christ. That you always put Christ first in your life so that they can watch you, so they can see you and see your love and respect for Christ. And I, I promise you that will cause them to love and respect Christ. So first, we're called to fellowship with Christ. Secondly, the grace of God has called us to holiness. Letter B, we've been called to holiness. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul writes, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Now, I think we all understand this morning that none of us in our flesh have the ability to live a holy life. We understand that. None of us. And God would not call us to do that. Which he's not enabled us to do. So we can't be perfect. And we, we really can't be holy. In, in, the, in the biblical sense of the word. But this word holiness here. Is actually the word that we would use chaste. Or, or pure. Or cleaned. So we're to live chaste lives. We're to live pure lives. We're to live clean lives. And that's what, that's what God has called us to do. As I said, in, in the new creature that, that he has created in us, in that, that nature of Christ that has been given to us, we have been enabled, we have been empowered to live holy lives. We've been given control over the flesh. The flesh doesn't control us. We control the flesh. Now, if we yield to the flesh, then it will control us. But if we yield to the spirit, we will keep the flesh under control. You can say no. You can say no to sin. Problem is, we don't want to say no because we like certain sins we like. We like to do certain things. And we, we, we fail to, to live that holy life and we succumb to the, to the will of the flesh. But we're called to be holy, to be chaste and pure. Let me give you some thoughts. First of all, in thought. We're to be pure in our, think, in our thinking, in thought. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, uh, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. We're to be, we're to be renewed in our minds. We're, we're to, we're to, we're to, uh, Control what we think about You know, what's the best way to control what you think about? Who has an idea? Anyone? What's the best way to control what you think about? Control what you see. very good. So don't watch corrupt TV. Don't look, don't go to corrupt websites. Don't read corrupt books. The best way to control what we think about is to control what enters in through the eye gate. Remember, Jesus said, what enters in through the eye and into the heart is what defiles the man. We used to sing a song with our bus kids. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because your father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. And we go through the whole body. And we need to be careful. We can control what we think about by controlling what we see. So let's, let's... remember the Bible says uh, uh, who is it said uh, it was it David that said I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes uh, be careful avoid even the Bible says to avoid even the appearance of evil there are certain things and places we just shouldn't go because there's nothing but evil in there so why go there if we know that if we know that evil lurks then then avoid it Walk circumspectly, Paul said. Be careful in what we do. Be chastened thought in word. How about that? In word. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I was talking with Tabor about this this morning. The the corruption of, of, of our English language. The corruption of grammar today. A lot of the young kids run around this room and I say, hey, how are you doing? They look at me, I'm well, thank you. Because I get on. when they say, I'm good, I say, no, you're not. The Bible says there's only one good, that's God. You're not good. You're well, but you're not good. But there's a corruption of the English language today. The schools have had to start teaching slang instead of proper grammar because kids grow up and never hear proper grammar so we need to be careful, parents, with our communication, the way we speak, the way we communicate to other people. It just takes a little, it just takes a little thought to make sure that nothing evil comes out of our mouths. We need to control. Uh, we're, we're to be holy in, in, in our thought. We're to be holy in word and then also in deed. In our actions we're to be holy. Galatians chapter six and verse ten. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We're to be holy in in deeds, in, in the things we do. And and again that comes back to where is our priorities? Where do our priorities rest? If our priorities rest in glorifying God, then we will be we will be circumspect. We will be cautious in what we do. If our priority is to satisfy the flesh, then we will be careless in what we do. And we will satisfy every lust of the flesh. And how many of you realize here, I don't care who you are today, you are capable of doing the most vile thing in the sight of God. I don't care who you are. Within our heart abides evil and wickedness and we are capable of doing the most horrific things and the most vile things in the presence of God if we succumb to the will of the flesh. So we, we have to walk with an, uh, an awareness. We have, to, we have to live with an awareness of, of God's presence in our life and with the knowledge of what he's empowered us with and the ability that he's given us to to, to, to walk in holiness, to overcome all these things. You can be holy through Christ. You can't be holy in yourself, but you can be holy in Christ Jesus. And the grace of God has, has called us to be, to live that holy life. Let her see on your sheets. The, will of, the, the grace of God has called us unto Liberty. In other words, the grace of God has set us free. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. The grace of God has called us unto liberty, unto freedom from the restraints of the flesh. Now by this we must conclude that Paul is telling us that God has summoned us to live a life that is worthy of being his child. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Paul says, Walk worthy of being a child of God, my father was a very, very respectable man in a small community. I, I grew up in a little town that might have had one hundred and fifty people in it, so we all knew each other. Everybody knew everybody. Half of the people were related it was a, It was a bunch of fishermen who who when the when the uh, Post World War II, the jobs became available. These old fishermen came off the lakes and bayous and swamps and pulled their camp boats up on the ground and, and started living on the land and got jobs and, and most of them were family. We were all pretty much we were all family. We all knew each other. And my father was a very respected man. So as one of his sons, everybody knew everybody had certain expectations of me and my brother and my, my sisters. And uh we, we we were watched. We were watched by everybody there. And if we did something wrong, boy, they'd call it out in a hurry. They they they'd point us out. Hey, you're Louis Abshire's son. You shouldn't be behaving that way. Well, you're God's son, you're God's daughter today. You're God's child. You shouldn't be misbehaving. You shouldn't be behaving publicly in a way that shames or brings a reproach to the name of your father. Even as old as I am today. And I'm not going to tell you. But even as old as I am today. I still try to do things that would never dishonor my father. I want, I want, I want to make sure that when people see me. They, 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 know, they know the integrity of my father. And as God's child today I want the same thing. I, I want to be like Daniel. Daniel. Daniel was was enslaved in in a foreign land yet Daniel respected his father he respected God and he he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't do the wrong things you know the Bible says that of all the men in the kingdom Daniel was preferred above everyone you know that and who knows why it says because of what excellent spirit was in him Daniel had a Daniel had the right attitude and he purposed in his heart that he would glorify his father by everything he did. And you and I have been given liberty. We've been, we've been called to liberty, but not to, not to the flesh, but to, to, to glorify the father. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul writes, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We're to to live a life that that is devoted to the Father and not enslaved to sin. So uh, God's grace, it calls us to fellowship in Christ. It calls us to holiness. It calls us to liberty. The next, it calls us to peace. To peace. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. We are called to, to dwell in peace, to allow peace to rule in our hearts and in our lives. Now we've been summoned to peace, and, and this summon to peace we see here is twofold. First, uh, we've been summoned to peace with God. Romans chapter five and verse one, "Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has summoned us to the peace table. However, all the terms of peace are his. He didn't call us to the peace table to negotiate peace. He calls us to the peace table and says, I've given you peace. Here are the terms. Whereas we were once called called this world our home and our friendships was founded therein. We are no more friends of this world. At least we shouldn't be. But we are now the children of God. James in James chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. God has given us peace with him. He's, he's put aside our sins. He's, the Bible says he's, he's separated them uh, from us as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says he remembers them no more. He does not impute sin unto us. That means even now as, as, as Christians when we do wrong God doesn't impute sin to us. The, the penalty of that sin is imputed upon the righteousness of Christ. We are at peace with God. Why in the world then would we, would we want to enslave ourselves with friendship to this world? Listen, just because something is lawful. Paul says, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. Just because as God's children, we can do whatever we want to do, we shouldn't be doing everything we want to do, right? We have a responsibility. We have an obligation to walk in holiness, to live a life that glorifies God. And honors the Father to do things, to not not do those things that would bring a reproach unto the name of Christ. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little mouth what you speak. Oh, be careful little hands what you touch. Oh, be careful little feet where you walk. We have an obligation today. I expected certain things of my children when they were growing up. They knew, what it, they knew what my expectations were. As long as they abided within those expectations, they were at peace with daddy. Step outside of those expectations, that peace was broken. And trouble came. And the Bible says God chastens those whom he loves. So we've been called to peace. Peace. We're no more friends of this world. We have abiding in our hearts and minds peace with God. But then also we've been summoned to peace with the saints. I said this peace was twofold. First it was with God, but it's also with the saints, with each other. In in, um, Romans chapter 12, in verse 17 and 18, we recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. God has commanded us to dwell at peace with men wherever and whenever possible. Now, it's not always possible because some men are unreasonable. But as much as lieth in you, he said, dwell at peace with all men. So, I must hurry to finish up today. Uh, lastly, we've been called uh, god 's grace has called us to eternal life, First Timothy six: twelve Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereinto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Yes, we 've been summoned to eternal life. Our redemption was the result of God calling us, just as God has summoned us to fellowship. Just as he has summoned us to holiness and to liberty and to peace, he has summoned us unto redemption under the blood of Christ. It is his calling, his summons, that has brought us unto eternal life. John chapter 10, Jesus says, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. Now there are three things to remember from this passage and I'm done. First. Not everyone is summoned by God. In John 10 26 he said. But ye believe not because ye are not. Of my sheep. Not everyone. Is summoned by God unto eternal life. Second. Those that are summoned hear the call. He said my sheep hear. My voice. Now. The timing in which God calls us is, is within, his own, within his own purpose and will. But I remember the night I heard that voice. And I didn't hear a literal voice, but I know in my heart I heard the, the voice of God calling me unto eternal life. And then thirdly, those that are summoned are saved. He says in John 10, 20, and I give unto them eternal life. Now God's grace is the source of our calling from God. Paul said that he is what he is by God's grace. And today, I must also conclude that it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. I am a child of God today. I am am redeemed. I am saved. I'm empowered to live a holy life. uh, I've been given the ability by God himself uh, to fellowship with Christ. And I've been given the liberty of grace and I've been called to peace by God. I've got all these things. I've, I've, all these benefits have come to me because of the grace of God. And folks, we've just begun. Like the song says, we've only just begun. So two weeks from now we'll come back to this and we'll look at more of the diversities of the grace of God. More of the benefits to the believer. So thank you for being here this morning. I hope it's been a blessing to you and you are dismissed. dot